How is it possible that it's already August? We hope you are enjoying your summer. Back by popular demand is our AirPods Pro giveaway. Members who successfully answer our bonus content quiz will be entered for a chance to win a pair of AirPods Pro. To participate, you must have access to the bonus sections of the podcasts, which you get by becoming a member. Members also receive an ad-free listening experience, an evening newsletter, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of August, you'll receive 50% off the normal membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code BONUSCONTENT, one word, at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code Bonus content. Thank you for your support. Nine, twelve, ten, twenty-eight, two, twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super secret studio in the third sub basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, We have a news-packed day to go through. Um, uh, And uh, fortunately, we have our founding geniuses with us. Uh, And by that, of course, I mean Dr. Corey Shockey, the American Enterprise Institute. How are you doing, Corey? I am so well, David. Thank you for asking. Excellent. And coming to you from the only library in the state of Wyoming, Rosa Brooks. How are you doing, Rosa? I'm very well, David. That's very unfair to Wyoming. There's another library in Wyoming? At least two. (laughs) (laughs) Although one of them did just fire its librarian for... uh, 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 trying to display LGBT, LGBTQ, I can't do, I can't get the right order here, uh, themed books. Well, I'm not surprised, but we're not here to talk about that. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about. And uh, of course, as these things happen, uh, 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 literally moments before we're, uh, uh, we began this podcast, as, as we're recording it on the Wednesday, um, Reports uh, began to emerge from Russia that a plane with 10 people on it flying from Moscow to St. Petersburg, a a Brazilian-made plane, which keeps with the BRICS uh, theme that we'll be turning to later, uh, was uh, apparently shot down, though we're not 100% sure of that. And on board the plane was uh, Evgeny Prigozhin, the man who led the coup uh, against Vladimir Putin uh, and who was It's it's such a weird coincidence, isn't it, David? No, the odds against this were so high. I mean... Uh, Having said that... I guess coincidences just happen. Yeah, no, it's absolutely right. But there there is something strange about this crash. Corey pointed it out to me beforehand. Corey, what surprised you about this incident? (laughs) Two things surprised me. First, that it took this long for Prigozhin to meet his untimely end. And second, this is a higher window than 
Vladimir Putin typically has people pushed out of. I guess a third anomaly is that actually yesterday, Prigozhin posted a video ostensibly showing him in Africa. And so I wonder whether, you know, today's crash was intended to be insult to injury or whether there are things we still don't know about this. Okay, Corey. But I'm sorry, one more thing. Could not happen to a nicer guy unless that guy were Vladimir Putin himself. Prigozhin. Oh, I mean, yeah. It, what are people doing getting on an airplane with Prigozhin? Yeah, I mean, use your heads, folks. What? what? I mean, I... I actually, I, I did, I did read it as, I mean, assuming that what we're hearing is in fact true, right? Um, and this is lots of, lots of things that we still don't know and probably will never know some of them. Um, but assuming, assuming what we're hearing so far is true, I absolutely thought it was to add insult to injury. You know, that, that letting Prigozhin go ahead, make first public comments, um, but public comments that showed he was thoroughly under Putin's thumb. Right. Uh, here I am advancing the cause of Mother Russia in Africa. Um, I have been thoroughly tamed and domesticated again and letting him do that. And then <laughs> just to say, yeah, thanks. OK, but, you know, bye. Um, I mean, I, I right. It's, it's very hard to shed any tears for this guy. Um, um, I, it's not clear yet who else was on board with him. Um, there may be some people worth shedding tears over who, to, who knows. Um, but, but yeah, no question. It, in some ways it's only surprising that it took this long. Although I, that may be Putin saying I'm so secure and powerful that I didn't need to swat you right away. I just wanted to give you the illusion that you were going to be okay and wait until that, wait until you had relaxed and then show you, eh, nah, nope. So that is an elegant theory, but what argues against it is the damage to Putin's own security um, to have not had that head on a pike earlier on. I think his head has been symbolically on a pike, right? I mean, that, that's the question. Was, did, did Putin think that waiting this, was, did Putin wait this long because he wasn't strong enough to do it earlier? Or did he wait this long because he feared that doing it right away would suggest that he was so scared that he had to do it right away and that waiting would make him, in fact, look stronger? I mean, obviously, the, 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 the game of trying to get into the minds of insane megalomaniacs is, is you know, little normal people find it hard to do, uh, <laughs> appropriately so. But, but. <laughs> but I noticed that you're doing it, my friend. I, 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 I do my best. <laughs> Well, you know, a number of people suggested that uh, this would happen uh, round about the time it happened. You know, another, in other words, when the coup took place, people like Admiral Jim Starita said, well, 60 to 90 days, he'll be gone. Um, and that's exactly what it took. And it's certainly not the first time um, that an enemy of Putin's met a uh, sad fate in a plane crash. Uh, albeit there is a, you know, there is a preference for throwing people out of windows and poisoning them. Um, but this is just another, you know, internal mob hit in a mob run country. Uh, there are, there are reports by the way, coming out that other leaders of the Wagner group were on this flight. 
Um, uh, now, is that true? I don't know. Do you worry, uh, Corey, that uh, the the members of the Mag- Wagner Group who are left behind, like the 4,500 who in Belarus pose a threat to anybody, or is this the end of this story? It's a good question. Um, no, I don't think without without Prigozhin and the other leaders of that group of contract killers, that they are likely to be effectively organized. Actually, you know, to continue with Rosa's theme of getting in the mind of serial killers, uh, perhaps if we presume Putin delayed killing Prigozhin, one solid reason for delaying would be to get the mutinous uh, Wagner mercenaries to Belarus, to Africa, to places where they can't get themselves organized for an effective response. Um, so, uh, I think and, that- and or to put in place some of his own people internally. Internally, where? W- within the group, within the, I mean, again, too many unknowns, but another possibility, obviously one of the things that caused tensions between Prigozhin uh, and, and Putin was that the Russian military was attempting to get his mercenaries to sign up directly with the Russian military, which would have cut him out. Um, and open question is part of the delay that Putin Putin's people were trying to make sure that they could buy the loyalty of lower down folks sufficiently that when the top leadership was knocked off, uh, that they could relatively easily move move fighters to where they want them without having to worry about the top leaders. Corey, sign of Putin's strength or sign of continuing weakness? I think sign of continuing weakness. Also, um, we are making an assumption that Putin is behind this and we don't actually know that. I mean, plane crashes do actually happen. Also, this is basically a mafia state. Um, Maybe some of Prigozhin's deputies did it in order to be pleasing to the powers that be. Maybe there are rival factions in Russia. Um, Maybe a Ukrainian drone did it. Uh, so, So we are reinforcing Putin's power by by concluding ahead of the evidence that this was Putin engineered. And there are other theories. So maybe Putin just got really, really lucky and the plane self-destructed. <laughs> yeah, well, he got lucky in some respects. There were certainly a lot of video cameras around that happened to catch the plane <laughs> falling out of the sky or immediately at the sign of the crash. Um, the plane seemed to go straight down, which does not really suggest it was a mechanical problem. Um, uh, but for that matter, it went straight down without being in flames, which is a little strange if it was hit by a missile. Um, so it could have been. In- Maybe Prigozhin felt really bad about all the mean things he's done, and he hijacked it and plummeted to the ground on purpose. That's, yeah, Prigozhin was feeling morose. He didn't have to aim for hell. He was going there anyway. Yeah, well, it could have been self-harm. There, the, you know, the reports, and you can't believe all the reports, and by the time people are listening to this, these will be overtaken by better and more credible reports, but there are also reports that 
um, Dmitry Utkin, who his his right hand, who was the guy who put Wagner into Wagner Group and um, was a especially nasty Nazi, um, uh, may also have been on the plane, and they may have been waiting for the opportunity to decapitate the group. Uh, you know, let them drop their guard a little bit. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but well, meanwhile, meanwhile, of course, the uh, head of the Russian Air Force, who was viewed as allied with Prigozhin, is taking a short vacation, having been relieved of his duties. He's resting, yeah, and having not been seen, having not been seen in two months. Right. I hope it didn't turn out I mean, he was on his way to be his vacation in Prigozhin's plane. So, David, I hope you will give me a pass on scrolling Twitter while we are talking. If I can offer this fantastic take that Nahal Tusi just posted, uh, which is quoting an unnamed U.S. official saying, a caterer should know that revenge is a dish best served cold. Well, in this case, pretty hot. But yes, a good point. <laughs> A good, a good, a good point. Um, you know, there, you know, there are all sorts of other kind of underlying coincidences here. Um, it's not the first Russian aircraft that crashed this week. One crashed into the moon earlier, um, and uh, the, I was just surprised that Prigozhin wasn't on that one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well done, Rosa. He may have been. We will never know. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, of course, this happened during the BRICS summit, uh, the meeting of Brazil, Russia, India, and China, and South Africa, which was taking place in South Africa, which, unfortunately, Vladimir Putin was unable to attend um, because he's a wanted international war criminal. Um, and uh, as India celebrated today, actually having a spacecraft land on the moon and land on the south pole of the moon, which has never been done. Um, the, the thought was that it was contrasting with Russia's failed Luna 25 mission earlier in the week. Uh, but here we also have it now contrasting with Putin at home. Apparently, Putin you know, gave an intervention at the BRICS meeting, sitting alone in his bunker, wherever he was filming from. We call that remote work. Of, yeah, the remote work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, what would you know about that in Wyoming? But in any event, uh, he was in like some silo someplace. And, and, and the reports were his voice sounded weird and low, didn't sound like Putin. Um, so things are really pretty strange in Russia. And I, you know, Putin would have been at the BRICS meeting if he could have been at the BRICS meeting. Um, uh, what what do we what do we you know make of the context of all of this? By the way, tomorrow I think is Ukrainian Independence or Flag Day or something, which is another uh, coincidence with all of this. Um, the 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 Brit you know the BRICS. I was hoping Sanger would be here because a long time ago, when Sanger was a young boy, um, and I was in the Commerce Department, one of the first stories he covered was how we were focusing on the world's big emerging markets. And we had this big emerging market initiative. And then some dude from Goldman Sachs said, oh, you have 10 big emerging markets. Let's have five big emerging. We'll call it the BRICS. And 
You know, of course, Goldman Sachs got a little more traction than we did. But uh, this was kind of an idea that these were the hot growing countries of the world. Well, fast forward, not so much. You know, it's now kind of China and the Chinettes, right? And, uh, you know, and even China and even China is marooned in the middle income trap and unlikely to ever be able to navigate out. Right. And China's economy is a big mess um, uh, at the moment and their growth is 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 declining. Um, Russia is a disaster. Um, India is not moving in a democratic direction. That is for certain. Um, Brazil is coming off a bad presidency and in the midst of one that's not so bad, but not so good. And um, what what do we say about the BRICS? And, you know, is this a viable group going forward? Uh, Rosa, what do you think? I see Corey shaking your head. Um, I was going to say, well, yeah, but but now I feel full of self doubt. Um, y- you know, well, Corey's Corey hint. Corey's right. So continue. <laughs> so it's not. I, I I think it depends what you mean by viable, right? I mean, is it? These are countries that, in many ways, have very little in common. Um, uh, one of the, the only thing they have in common is that they really would like not to be completely under the thumb of the United States. Um, other than that they don't necessarily see eye to eye on a whole lot. I mean, India and China, um, you know, they, 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 they share common concerns about U.S. dominance, but India is worried about Chinese dominance. The Chinese are worried about India. You know, that there are more things that I, you know, there, unlike, unlike, for instance, groups like the G7, uh, there is a lot more that is pulling them in different directions than is pulling them together, I think. The, the, the forces of cohesion are not terribly strong. Um, and also, as, as you just noted, many of them are facing significant internal challenges of their own. I, I think that they, it'll be interesting to see how much they, they see the, the temptation to further expand, uh, you know, the, the idea expanding further to include, for instance, the Saudis uh, or the Egyptians or the Argentinians, et cetera, Indonesia. Uh, expansion sort of gives the illusion of increasing incle- increasing cohesiveness, but you know, as as other alliances have found, uh, size sometimes leads to the opposite result uh, and ends up weakening you still further because you have a group of countries that are actually trying to move in different directions, and it, increasingly it becomes an artificial exercise to to come up with things that you have in common. Hi, let's take a moment for a. Word from a valued sponsor. When it comes to privacy, people tend to focus on things like tracking cookies and browsing history, Uh, but protecting your email privacy is even more important because emails contain a lot of personal and sensitive details, such as financial and health information or login credentials that you don't want falling into the wrong hands. That's how I want to tell you about Startmail, all one word, the secure email service that keeps your inbox safe. Startmail benefits include a secure ad-free communication experience, 20 gigabytes of email storage, unlimited aliases for spam protection, and world-class encryption for confidentiality, even when the recipient does not use encryption. Plus, When you delete an email, it's gone forever. And Startmail, based in the Netherlands, is 
GDPR compliant, ensuring your personal data is protected. Switching to StartMail is hassle-free and includes an easy migration tool for Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, and other providers. Deep State Radio listeners can take advantage of this special offer from StartMail. Visit startmail.com slash deepstate and receive 50% off your subscription for the first year. That's startmail.com slash deepstate. What do you think, Corey? So I think um, that what we are seeing is an enormous amount of ambition to create a more multilateral international order and an enormous amount of ambition by these countries to, um, to reduce their reliance on the dollar as the central currency in the international um, financial system. But I think their ambition is increasing as their ability to achieve it decreases, both because of the, the domestic momentum of those five economies, including China. Um, you know, I think we have seen peak China and they are now on the downward slope of becoming a pretty normal uh, middle income country that because of governance issues cannot navigate out of the middle income trap and demography and other things are going to weigh down on them. Uh, India is an interesting example because it looks to me like the only one of the original five that has momentum even before their successful moon landing. Um, and our problems with India are going to be less economic than they are going to be political, as, as David suggested. The, the uh, Hindu authoritarian trend in governance in India, I think, is going to be problematic. And people around Prime Minister Modi uh, try and argue, especially to American conservatives, that we shouldn't object to this because this is just religion returning to Indian politics as though that doesn't have really dangerous political repercussions for non-Hindus in a country as diverse as India. Um, so so I'm, I'm skeptical. I love that the guy who came up with the BRICS framework uh, David's bete noir when he was in uh, the Commerce Department thinks it's ridiculous that these countries could reduce their dollar dependency, much less produce a common currency, given all the differences politically, culturally, and, and geostrategically among them. Maybe instead of calling it bricks, it should be called cribs. Cribs. <laughs> Yeah, because that's just the kind of diminutization that's driving their resentment against us. Exactly. Yeah, well, I, I once wrote that the bricks without China would be brie, a runny cheese. And then <laughs> re recently I thought that I missed an opportunity because they'd actually also be bris. Um, 
which <laughs> which I'm I'm not going to offer up what I've I thought about that, but 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 the, up, you know yes. I think thank you the 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 punchline is um, I agree with you know, what Corey was saying here, which is initially the interest in these countries was they were rapidly growing and it was thought that they were going to be gaining power for a long period of time. And uh, they were also large and so they had a certain degree of political significance. And for a variety of different reasons um, in each one of them, uh, there have been stumbles of one sort or another. Now, as Corey says, there is an effort among them to try to uh, uh, perhaps create an alternative currency, which is going to fail. They don't have the clout to do that. Um, uh, but there's also, you know, a, a kind of a parallel desire among the kind of non-aligned nations. And there's something like 22 other nations that have said, we'd like to be a member of the, the BRICS, including Indonesia and Argentina and Kazakhstan and Saudi Arabia, and you know, a bunch of other countries. Um, but again, all of those countries, you know, are sort of at the margins, wishing they were more powerful, um, and and it's kind of looking like you know the also ran alliance uh, is the desire that all these countries have to counterbalance the U.S. and the West um, just inevitable because power is concentrated the way that it is, Rosa, uh, or is it a sign that the U.S. and the West are doing something wrong? Both, um, you know, the the BRICs are not entirely wrong. Needless to say, that the international economic system uh, has offered greater benefits to some countries than to others. Um, uh, you know, the the resentment and sense of being somewhat left out is, is certainly inevitable. Um, the U.S. is also doing something wrong. I mean, we're not doing so great ourselves, right? I, that that they they may be also rands, but there is no country that is not struggling to some extent right now. Um, and I, you, and we've talked about this before. Obviously, I think you know the long term trend. Uh, uh, U.S.'s power and influence has been declining, both relatively and I think in absolute terms. We, like many of the BRIC countries, are not quite as democratic as we we used to be. Um, you know, the the shine is off. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, of course it's happening. Of course it's happening, and and it's 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 not automatically a bad thing for other states to be seeking alternatives to U.S. hegemony. Um, uh, the problem, of course, is that the the actors who are out there jostling to assume leadership are not better than we are. They're they're even worse. So they're they're not a lot of great options, I think, for what used to be called the non-aligned countries at this point. What do you th- What do you think, Corey? Is this a movement to keep an eye on, or is this a bunch of wannabes going nowhere? Um. So I I think it is not particularly likely to become a, a third block. I'm sympathetic to, um, to the desire of these countries to try and stay out of the emergent conflict between the West and China. Um, you know, it, 
It's not fun to be a middle power that doesn't have the latitude of a major power. But I also think um, that that it's unlikely to be tenable ground. The shock to me is why China is consolidating uh, so many countries, especially in its neighborhood, against them. They're making what Western societies are particularly good at is recognizing failure and adapting. So I think what's what the likely outcome of the BRICS movement and 23 countries wanting to join in is that it sends a powerful signal to Washington and to the other countries of the West that we need to do a better job taking into account the concerns these countries have. You know, the big surprise since 1990 has been how little balancing there has been against American dominance in the international order, despite the really aggressive use of secondary sanctions and other things that are pejorative to the economic interests of so many other countries. So um, I'm surprised it took this long for shouts of concern. Uh, I'm a little puzzled that Chinese, that there's a notion there can be equidistance, um, because I think that's likely untenable. But I think the result will be beneficial for middle income countries because Washington will start paying attention to things it has taken for granted. One thing I did find uh, odd in some ways, um, although maybe not reverting to our previous topic of getting inside the minds of uh, evil megalomaniacs, um, you know, Putin's speech focused so much on how the war in Ukraine is really the West's fault. Um, And in some ways, that seems like an issue most likely to alienate some of the some of the other BRIC countries and most likely to alienate some of the countries that are hovering anxiously around the edges, um, uh, you know, which want to be part of the BRICs, but don't necessarily want to completely piss off the West and the United States. They want to have it both ways. Uh, you know, Putin missed some opportunities to focus on potential economic common ground and instead spent most of his time, you know, railing against the West. Um, uh, which seems like an, an odd strategic choice for the moment, particularly given that the reason, as you mentioned, that he's not there in person uh, in South Africa at the BRIC conference is that he has been indicted for war crimes in Ukraine. It would be something that I wouldn't want to remind people of if, if it were me. Interesting. Interesting. This is the point where we normally take a break, say uh, thanks to everybody who's listening who's not a member, uh, and shame them into becoming a member by telling them that for only $5 a month, they could listen to the rest of this podcast and the rest of all our other podcasts. And I just got to tell you, I know, because I'm kind of an insider in the world's smallest media company, that there's a lot more content coming down the road via the DSR network very shortly. And so this is a great time to go uh, and become a member and you'll be able to listen to all the bonus um, content. Um, uh, For now, if you're not a member... Thanks for joining us and go think about becoming it at the DSRnetwork.com. And uh, for those of you who are members, stand by. We'll be right back. 